This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. If you're a loser, tune in and you'll be a winner. It's the Moranalytics Podcast. Talking Buffalo sports, Yankees, WWE, 80s music, and pop culture. And now, here's your host, Patrick Moran. All right, podcast fans, what's going on? How you doing? What up? Welcome to episode 136 of the Moranalytics podcast presented by Paul Cellular. Today is Friday, July 19th. Thank you as always for listening, for downloading. If you've not yet subscribed to this podcast, please go ahead and do so right now. Coming up on today's show, well, I'll tell you what, if you're a regular listener to this podcast, you know that on many Fridays over the past year or so, I've had a segment called The Running With Joe, featuring my buddy Joe from New York City. Buffalo wins on Twitter, and he's quite the character. He has not been on the podcast now for a couple months. He's been on a little bit of a sabbatical, a hiatus, whatever you want to call it. We haven't gotten together and hooked up for a taping in quite a while, but that is going to end today. I got my man back, another installment of The Running With Joe. And if you know Joe, man, he likes to go on. He's been like a caged animal, no takes on a at least not on this podcast for over two months now. And you trust me when I tell you, your boy's going to let him out today. Let's just put it that way. Plenty of stuff that we're going to talk about, including the Buffalo Bills. Yo, Bills training camp is literally one week from today getting started. I can't believe it's finally here. It's felt like it's taken forever, especially since this summer has pretty much been all about the NBA to this point. But that's going to start changing next week. So anyway, plenty of Buffalo Bills stuff to talk about. Me and him both compiled our list. I kind of gave us a little bit of homework of our 10 best Buffalo Bills players on this roster right now. We'll run down our top 10, give our thoughts on on each of them. We discussed that, a couple things in training camp that we're really looking forward to. I kind of go into detail with the offensive line a little bit. And then I made a mistake. I asked Joe about Russ Brandon. If you know Joe, that's a mistake, man. So be prepared for one of the all-time epic Russ Brandon hate rants, courtesy of your boy Joe. We also talk about, I'll tell you what, WGR did a poll on Twitter earlier this week asking if you could take one former Buffalo Bill and one former Buffalo Sabre from any previous era, take that guy and put him on today's roster to help that team win games today. Who would you take? Now, it was, at first, originally, that was the question, and almost everyone said Jim Kelly and Hasek, but then they kind of modified it after just a few minutes, and they said for the Bills, you can't take Jim Kelly, you can't take Bruce Smith, you can't take Andre Reid, you can't take Thurman. For the Sabres, it was no 
Gilbert Perot. There was no Pat LaFontaine. There was no Hasek. And there was no Ryan Miller. So not counting them. Take one guy from each team, put it on today's roster. Who would you want? Me and Joe have pretty good answers, at least I think anyway. Um, and then we kind of switch. Oh, actually, by the way, too, we also have a really pretty, which got intense sports media discussion about who should and should not be granted media access to cover a professional team like the Bills, what guys are in that box that have no business being in there, what guys deserve to be in there that aren't in there. Is there a true benefit to covering a team, having access? Does it make you do your job better? Me and Joe vehemently disagreed on this point. That was a spirited discussion. And then we're going to end with some WWE talk, which I have not talked about on this podcast in a while, frankly, because I haven't watched wrestling in a while, but Joe's a wrestling guy. So it kind of brings out that WWE and me. We talk about Brock Lesnar cashing in his money in the bank, what kind of champion Seth Rollins would be, how we feel about Becky Lynch. And then we have to come up with one storyline each that would help WWE become better again. And we had some good takes. And to be honest with you, I kind of think Joe kicked my ass when, uh, when it came to his WWE thoughts, he got the better of me on that. I'm going to give him that for sure. And then he hits his finisher. If you're a sports media guy and you like to play golf and you like to tweet about golf, you might want to skip Joe's finisher on that. So anyway, lots of stuff to get to. And we went on, by the way, for a long time. So long, in fact, that originally during this opening, I was going to take at least a handful of minutes to talk about the British Open, final major of the year. It's now underway. Not going to do that today. Well, maybe we'll do a recap of the British Open next week. One quick note, though, by the way, real quick. First round, wow. Tiger, Phil, Rory, 20 over combined. Man, it's a, that's a tough scene right there. I was also going to get into some more details here at the top of my upcoming trip to Buffalo next weekend and a little more information about some of the podcasts that I'll be taping while I'm in Buffalo. But you know what? I got two shows next week. So I'll take care of that business next week. Let's get right into today because it's a good one, man. I've been looking forward to talking to Joe for quite a while. It's a dude full of takes, and trust me, he does not disappoint here. Let's get after it. Here it is. My man Joe is back with another installment of The Running With Joe. Let's do it. All right, man, the two-month hiatus is officially over. I got my man Joe from New York City, the running with Joe. Buffalo wins on Twitter. By the way, we had to wait a couple seconds to start rolling with the tape because you are in New York, and in typical New York fashion, you got those sirens going on in the background. What's going on, dude? How you doing, man? How you been? Uh, you know, living the dream. It's humid as hell here, and I'm sweating in my apartment because I'm frugal when it comes to Turning on my air conditioner, air conditioning, excuse me, air conditioner, like I'm hair over here. But yes, it's hot over here. And I'm, I'm sure you're not going to counter with how hot it is in Florida or wherever you're at these days. <laughs> Let me ask you this, man. What do you do with yourself this time of year as a sports fan? Because you're not a major league baseball guy at all. You've said that several times and you're like kind of lukewarm with the NBA. There's no hockey going on. No football, although that's going to start soon. But like this time of year, is it kind of rough for you as a, the sports fan in you? No, not really. I mean, first off, I, 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 lukewarm to the NBA is that's that's understating. I like the NBA a lot, and I, I dug July free agency when it came to like where each 
where the star players are going to go. Like NBA free agency is crack. I mean, it is addictive. I, I, I thoroughly enjoyed that whole spectacle of what happens. Um, yeah, I mean, in terms of sports in the summer, I don't know. I just binge watch more TV shows and I, I, I've been, I've been trying not to talk as much about the bills or sabers unless there's absolutely something to talk about. Right. You know, cause now we're going into, cause it's like, I don't want to wear out, you know, and it's part of, it's probably part of the reason why we haven't done a podcast together. It's like, what are we going to talk about? Are right. we going to talk about Josh Allen for the 75th time? Are we going to talk about who's going to be the guard, the starting guard? It's like after a while, it's like, you know what? We can talk about all this shit in like August or the middle of August or, you know, before the season starts, like right before. So I try not to waste too much time in those sports teams. But overall, I, you know, I'm enjoying my summer. It's nice out. I, I take my my fun walks in the neighborhood. I binge watch shows. I binge I'm binge watching Jessica Jones. I just binge watched the, uh, the show Bloodline. I have not watched Stranger Things yet, which I'm going to do after I finish Jessica Jones. And, you know, that's it. And I do occasionally watch some baseball. I mean, not much, but, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely I, – I, actually, what the hell am I saying? I, I rarely watch baseball, but uh, I follow it on Twitter. <laughs> that's it. But, but for the most part, you know, the NBA has held my interest for July for the most part. Scale of 1 to 10, man. You're in the heart of New York City right now, okay? In New York mm-hmm. and L.A., that's been the big news when it comes to the NBA and free agency and trades and stuff like that. Scale of 1 to 10, Kevin Durant and Kyrie signing with Brooklyn – and not the Knicks. What does that rank for you? I mean, in the area, it's pretty big. I mean, no one likes the Knicks right now. I mean, they are they're exactly how like Stephen A. Smith describes them, like him being the guy who's like from here, and he's like the one host on TV who you're like, oh, he definitely likes the Knicks. But it's 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 sad. I think, but it's I think a lot of Knicks fans in New York they're used to it because the Knicks are terrible. They've been terrible for twenty years. Their ownership group is horrible. The Dolans are terrible. I'm a lifetime Knicks fan. You ain't got to tell me. I know. Yeah. Yeah. I, I do. now here's the thing. I don't know about Brooklyn though. Like the popularity there. The Nets have been weird. Like they were pretty hot when they first got there, and they had Paul Pierce, and then they had Garnett, and they made that big trade, and they they were okay for like one or two seasons, and then they they kind of stunk. Uh, the weird thing is, is like the, I don't I don't really gauge their popularity that much. It doesn't it's not registering here as much as I think people outside of New York City think. And if you if you don't believe me, just all you got to do is go on StubHub. Like maybe it's up now, but for the most part, you could get tickets to the, the Nets games very easily, cheap as hell. Where while Knicks games in the Knicks were horrible this past year, they've been bad forever. Those are still expensive ass seats. Yeah. Whereas, oh. where and I remember, I remember once I went to a Knicks play or, or Nets playoff game. I think they played the Raptors. This was like five years ago. I went with a friend of mine, and I went to a game four, and I I think I must have spent forty dollars on tickets. I mean, we were up pretty high. I mean, right. we were in like the nosebleeds. But think about that, like forty dollars for NBA playoff tickets. Like that's pretty cheap, you know, in general. For and then we got them on StubHub. So. It might be different now because yes, like Durant, Kyrie, that you know Jordan, that's a very that's a star pack lineup. I mean, obviously Durant, you're not going to see him till after next year probably, but you know maybe that's that's going to get the juices flowing and get them more popular. But again, you know they had Pierce and Garnett who they weren't on the same standard as those guys are, but they were pretty they were pretty popular, right? You know, and they they weren't too many they weren't too many years removed. From their championship, you, you know, they when they won the title, and I think that they, I think the Celtics were still like I think two years before they got there, they had gone to the Eastern Conference Finals, right? Uh, you know, so 
we'll see. I mean, the Knicks basketball here is very weird. Like people love the Knicks, but they're just it's just one of those things like they're terrible and like no one really wants to like talk about them until they're good. Because in New York, you have so many options to be like, okay, yeah, the Knicks suck, so let's watch baseball. Or, you know, and then if the if baseball isn't working, you go watch a football team, the the NFL or whatever. And it's also an area where there's a lot of different sports fans around here. It's yeah, definitely a melting pot. I'll tell you, man, as somebody, you know, who likes one team, who grew up loving one team in each sport, obviously the Bills and Sabres cover football and hockey. And then I'm a Yankees fan, lifelong Yankees fan, which base, they don't have anything to do with these other three teams. But I'm a lifelong sure. Knicks fan, too. And as a Bills fan and a Sabres fan, I could just relate to them being so shitty for so long. But this year in particular was probably the worst because as bad as they were, they had the best chance or tied for the best chance to win the lottery. So for months and months and months, I'm like, all right, there's a good chance they're going to get Zion. That's great. And then all the talk was Kevin Durant and Kyrie were going to the Knicks. Brooklyn, yeah. Brooklyn didn't enter this conversation until the last maybe couple weeks of May. We're going into free agency or towards the end of June. So then all of a sudden it's like, bam, all right, well, the Knicks don't get Zion. They get RJ Barrett, who, by the way, I cannot stand him. And then they're getting no KD, no Kyrie. They signed Julius Randle, then a bunch of one-year journeyman-type players, which I get right. that. They don't want to tie a lot of money into the salary cap. I mean, listen, I don't want to get too far off the beaten path there. This isn't really, we're not really talking much about basketball well, today. I, I mean, My whole point is as a Knicks fan, and being in the, especially if I lived in New York as a Knicks fan, I'd probably want to hang myself right now with this roster yeah. compared to what I, mean, I thought it was going to be. Yeah, I mean, that's why they, they tra- that was a big reason why they traded Porzingis, because they were like, okay, he wants to kind of get out of here. We're going to get rid of him, have an extra extra slot, and then, then we can go after two big free agents. Yeah. And it didn't happen. And and I'm going to tell you, I, I think it's because of Dolan. I think, what's the difference? I mean, look, the, the Nets, I know the Nets made the playoffs this past year, but the Nets aren't like, they weren't a juggernaut, and they right. weren't, they don't have like this giant history. That I think I think the NBA, which is definitely like that, that, ty- that, there's like a brotherhood with the players where, you know, if it's very easy where you when you hear things about like, oh, this don't go to this team because this guy's an ass, you know, and that's what Dolan is. Dolan's an ass and no one likes him. I think when he did that whole thing with Oakley, a few like uh, what was it like last year or so yeah. where he like banned him from the arena. I think that made ev- I think that made every NBA player like superstar like screw this guy. I'm like, I'm not going to go play for this for them. Yeah, you know, that's, that's, that's one of many things. Yeah, I guarantee you that Dolan's the biggest reason why the Knicks can't yeah, attract. Because he's an idiot. Right. He's an he's a he's a micro he's a micromanager who can't stay out of the, the can't stay out of the kitchen of the Knicks. He owns the Rangers, who are way better than the Knicks ever were. But he doesn't care about the Rangers. He just lets people run the Rangers like whatever. But he loves basketball and he's constantly involved in it. And everyone at like acts like he's a, a doofus like no one respects him and everyone hates him like he, he owns half of madison square garden area around there and he he sells overpriced tickets to like broadway shows and like all that sort of stuff and people hate him for that and like real estate so yeah he's he's horrible here no one likes him you know you were talking about binge watching some tv shows to take up some of your summer i've been doing that myself in fact i just finished binge watching seinfeld which of course was based in you know four people living in the heart of the city in New York City was. Were you a fan of that show? Did you watch it when it was out? Did you like that? show? No, no. I mean, I've, I've seen a few episodes, and like my sister used to love Seinfeld, and she would always tell me to get into it, and I just never, I never really watched it. Like, there's some episodes I've seen, like I've seen the Soup Nazi episode maybe like yeah. once or twice. Uh, I, I don't really know. I mean, I, I'm sure it's funny. Like everyone seems to like it, but I never really got into you it. You completely that much. sound like I did about two months ago. That's how I was. I was the same way. When it was out, I only watched one or two episodes. I mean, I knew who Elaine was. 
I knew about her yeah. funny dance from gifts and stuff like that, but I finally yeah. binge watching it. I'll tell you, man, do yourself a favor. If you get a shot, man, and give it a shot. Yeah. One more thing too. And then we're going to get into the topics that we actually have. I'm looking now. I didn't realize this at the time, but you're a game of Thrones guy. And I don't want to have a big game of Thrones discussion because that's old news at this point, but you weren't on for the last episode. I haven't had John since then. Looking back now at that finale, that last season, but it's more specifically that finale. Now that we've all had time to digest it a little more, what were your thoughts on that finale? And I, I kind of want to use the Sopranos as a point of reference. If you remember when that finale aired, do you remember how much everyone hated it? How angry everybody was? Everybody was talking about, oh, I spent all my years watching the show. So yeah. I'm like this, this is the freaking the worst. But now years later, Sopranos, it's, it's an iconic show, one of the greatest of all time. And people, I mean, they're still not fond of the finale, but people don't really use the finale as a point of reference when talking about the show. They talk about the show in its entirety. Do you kind of feel like that's how it's going to be with Game of Thrones, where maybe yeah. you didn't love the finale, but when people, as time goes on, that's going to become less and less about what people complain about and just the show as, as its own in its entirety. Yeah, I, that, I, that's a really good point with the finale of Sopranos, because you're right, not many people. It was a mixed bag at best when it came to the end of Sopranos. Uh, yeah, I think that's what's going to happen with Thrones. It's going to be looked back as one of the best TV shows of all time in totality. Like, yeah, people are going to complain about the finale, the final season. But look, there were people, you just talked about Seinfeld. I know for a fact, I remember people didn't like the Seinfeld finale. Right. They weren't fans of that. You know, I, what, they went to jail or whatever the hell happened, I forgot. But like... No one was a fan of that, so they're going to look at it in totality. And overall, that the last episode, look, I'm not, uh, I'm not, a, I was not, I, at first I, I watched it and I was kind of like, okay, brand. I mean, the, the brand being on the throne just threw me for just a giant, like, kick in the nuts. Because I was like, this is the most uninteresting character they could have found. They never really, everyone thought he was weird, creepy. And they, they, they could have at least made a couple scenes throughout the history of the show where Bran was, like, a badass. Like, why the hell couldn't he warg into, like, a dragon and, like, save King's Landing or something? Or not save King's Landing, but save save uh, Winterfell from the, the Night's Watch or whatever. Like, do something that would have been kind of badass, like, warging. You know, he did nothing. He just was there and weird. And, you know, as far as I'm concerned, like... The show ended, like, if you want to be, like, on a good note, I, I still think Arya killing the Night King was pretty rad, and sure. that whole episode was fun. That's, to me, when the show ended, officially. Like, the show ended right there, because in the last the last three episodes were definitely kind of a cluster cluster of, uh, like, you know, it, it, you know, overall, like, the last 13 episodes, it was uneven at best. I still love the show, and I do think, like, 10 years from now, it, it, like you said with Sopranos, it's, you know, not, not many people like the finale, and I think they're gonna they're gonna look back and say Thrones was ahead of its time and it was great. Yeah, and I'll tell you one more, and then we'll get started with some actual Bills talk. I just wish now I'm a knee jerk reactor. I was angry at first, but I've had time to reflect on it. I sort of wish that they would have did it in a different sequence of events. I think Ariel Ariel killing him, the Night King at the end that would have been the perfect ending to the series. To get there yeah. though, you would have had to have everything happen before that or after that. I should say, you know, like John like Jon Snow having to kill Daenerys, that could have happened before. And instead of executing him, they got to get him back up north because they, they find out that the Night King and his army is coming. And that's how it ends. Yeah. And that would have been a good ending to it. But anyway, yeah, man, I think as time goes on, 
it's going to be less about the ending or even the final season. And it's going to be about more about the show as a, as a whole, which in that case yeah. to me, it's a top five show of all time. Easily a top five show for me. I, yeah, I agree. I mean, it's a top sh- top five show for me. Again, they 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 should have they should have made it longer. I think more longer ep- more episodes they should have done. They just squeezed too much in uh, yeah. at the the last two years, and you could just tell that they them not having the books because George Martin isn't caught up to the series. You know, I think that affected them, and I don't know why they rushed it. They should have just had more dialogue and. Yeah, you know, it is It is what it is. It just felt rushed. But uh, look, it was, there were still some great episodes. Um, it's still, like, my favorite. It's, it's my favorite TV show of all time. Yeah, so right. Fair that's enough, that. man. And I, and, I, and I will say this. I do think in 10 years it will come back. Really? I, I, in some capacity. Look, every HBO show from Sex and the City to Sopranos, because Sopranos is doing a prequel that's coming out next year, um, Deadwood... You know, they have all come back in some sort of capacity for like a movie or whatever the case may be. I think that's what's going to happen. I think when Daenerys died and the dragon took her away, I think that's the that's the whole that's the the loop to bring her back. Because I bet you the dragon's going to take her to like to like whatever the hell that she was at before Marine, the, the last place she was at when she ran over when she ruled that, and she's going to take it to a a red priestess and they're going to bring her back to life. And I think that's going to be like how they bring out the show. And hey, remember the one. The one scene Tyrion said, like, Jon Snow was like, is this the right decision, like, for Jon Snow to go to the watch? And Tyrion was like, ask me in 10 years. And I'm like, I'm like that's it. In 10 years, the show comes back in some sort of form, whether it's a movie or they come back. Because, you know, <laughs> hey, you never know. Some of those actors, maybe they may be doing nothing in 10 years. Uh-huh. And they're going to be like, shit, we need work. Or the creators are going to get booed off of uh, Star Wars. And they're like, fuck, we got to make some money. So <laughs> That'd be one of the wildest things ever, man. All right, let's get into some Buffalo Bills talk here. I kind of gave me and you a little mini homework assignment before we started taping this segment. Wanted to come up with a list as we head now into training camp of the 10 best Buffalo Bills players right now. Not the 10 best over the course of their career, like right now on this date, which will be Friday, July 19th. Who do we think are the 10 best players on the team right now? We'll go from 10 to 1. How do you want to do this, man? You want me to run down my 10 or you want to run down your 10 and then I'll do mine? I, let's do them individually. So you go number one and then I say well, let's start at 10. One. You want to let's start at 10. 10. And we'll sure. work our way down. All right. I'll go first, man. All right. So for me at number 10, I got LaShawn McCoy. Uh, he shouldn't really be on this list based on last year because he was terrible. He had 500 yards rushing last year, only like 3.2 yards per carry. Just, his stats were just awful. And he looked, he looked disinterested in contact. And there was a lot of talk that he might not be on this roster, although management had said from the get-go that he would be there. But I look at this, you know, as I look at this roster, it's hard to find 10 really good standout players. He is still a good talent, and maybe with a better offensive line and Josh Allen in his second year, he'll be better this year. But anyway, that's my guy. He starts at number 10. Well, by the way, when I did this list last year, he was number one, just so you know that. What wow. do you got? Well, I have Ed Oliver as number 10. And I think you just have to look at where he was drafted. He was drafted number nine overall. How many, how many draft picks on the Bills right now are that high up on the pecking order in terms of where they were drafted? Right. And like nine. It's, it's it's Josh Allen and then him, I believe. Right. You know when you look at who got drafted because they got they, there's such a t- big term turnover from what they did. But I I got him as number ten right now. Okay. And number nine, I'm going to go with Cole Beasley. I think he's the best receiver right now on this team. I think Robert Foster might have the most upside, but I think Cole Beasley is the actual best receiver 
had 65 catches for 672 yards this year, which would have led the Bills in both categories. I think there might be an adjustment period with Josh Allen getting used to that type of receiver. A guy, you know, a chain mover like him, but I like him a lot. I think he'll have a big role on this team. Uh, you know, I don't know about Tr- Cole Beasley, man. I mean, I know he's got a lot of catches. I don't know how he's going to fit on this roster because he's going to be like their t- the prototypical slot guy. Like I always keep picturing what Wes Welker was with the with the patch, sure. and like it's the same offense. And I don't know how that combo is going to work. Um, you know, he, again, he gets a lot of catches, but he doesn't really get a lot of yards. But you know, he he may be. I, I feel like we're going to have a law. Lo- a plethora of like Cole Beasley like pieces coming up in August, like Absolutely. just about the guy. It's just going to be like, ah, the, the high motor guy. Oh, yeah. Shit. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I can't wait. Okay. I have Josh Allen as number nine. Okay. As my, is my guy. I mean, I think he's got a lot of talent. Uh, his rookie year was up and down. Like I would say, you know, in terms of the, of the rookie wage scale, I would say it was probably one out of 10. I would say probably like a four, mm-hmm. you know, with five being average. Uh, but as of right now, I mean, I, I have to put him, I, I got my younger guys kind of like at the back door of this list. Like that's why I Oliver's 10. I have Allen as nine in sure. terms of, you and, know, and again, this isn't, you know, not necessarily the top 10 guys who had the most talent on the team. It's the top 10 right. best it's players who, right now. Who is right yeah. now the best player. Yeah. yeah I, I agree. I, mean, I, agree. I, I can't, I, yeah, I, can't I, got, I, I got Allen only yeah. one spot above you. I got him at eight, man. And you, and I think you said it perfect on the, on the ground. He was, he was deadly at 631 yards, rushing eight touchdowns last year as a rookie, but he's got a long way to go as a passer. He barely completed 50% of his passes, more picks and touchdowns last year. Now he's got all the 10 in the world. We might have this conversation 12 months from now and he might be number one on both our lists. But right now I think that's pretty accurate to put it at me. So I got Allen at eight. Who you got at eight? I have Edmonds at eight. Really? Uh, yeah. You know, I don't. Here's the thing, man. And maybe I'm not watching as much all 22 as I should be. And I don't watch any, <laughs> to be honest with you. Uh, I thought Edmonds was OK as a rookie, but I I don't I don't think he was lights out. He got better as the season went on, but he was kind of lost like the first month or so of the season. And I, I'm going to hold that a little bit against him because it wasn't like, oh, he's great. It's easy. I think everyone's like on the hype train and like, yeah, you can pick like a film from like week nine and go, Oh, look at him make this tackle behind the line of scrimmage. And he did, he did play fairly well at the end, you know, like I said, but I don't think he's, you know, again, I think he's in that. I put him ahead of Josh Allen because I thought he probably had a better rookie year than Josh Allen, but I wasn't like, Oh my God, he wasn't like, I didn't think he was earth shattering. Like I saw, Hey, I saw Kiko Alonso, his rookie year. And I thought Kiko Alonso was awesome. His rookie year. Right. And he was, he was not Kiko Alonso, his rookie year. I can tell you that right now. And like, yeah, again, you can throw up a bunch of gifts and, and like all 22s of him making some plays, but I don't know. I wasn't, I wasn't that impressed with him, you know, for part of the year he got better. You know, he was, you know, that first part, he looked kind of, lo- I remember that Baltimore game. He was, he was lost as all hell. Yeah. And like, if you did, if you did a bootleg, like he was, he was biting on that shit quick as hell. And again, he got better. He was really good in, in December. Again, I'll give him that. But again, four games, I'm not going to like put you on my top three, like, cause he had four really good games. All like, right. you know, okay. That's you know, that's fair me. Po- fair point. No, for sure. Right? Yeah. All right. So we're on the number seven and I'm going to go with Mitch Morse. I think he's the one guy on this offensive line. For all the interesting combinations that we might see throughout training camp in the preseason, he's the one guy that, instead of pencil, you could take pen and you could write his name down because he's the starting center. Good year with the Chiefs last year, um, anchoring a line with Patrick Mahomes. So he's number seven, and I got a feeling I probably regret not having him higher, but he's seven for me. What do you got? 
I have LaShawn McCoy at seven. Uh, I think McCoy, I think McCoy is due. Like, look, I put a lot of what happened last year on the offensive line. I just think the offensive line was just horrific. Right. And there was a, there was, you know, the quarterbacking was bad with Pete was horrible with Peterman when he was in there or Derek Anderson was bad with Josh Allen the first part of the year, then got better at the second part when he came back from injury. I think a lot of that is on him. Let's not forget, look, McCoy had a – when they made it to the playoffs, McCoy was pretty good that season. You know, he started off slow, but then he got hot. They had they had even an interesting – their offensive line got shredded with Incognito losing his mind and, and Eric Wood, you know, retiring. So I think it's – I think he is – he's better than what his numbers indicated last year. Now, on the other hand – they have 700 running backs in that running back room, and I have zero idea how this running back combination is going to look, and, and like what they're going to do with McCoy. But I still think, I still think he has stuff le- left in the in the t- in the tank, and I don't. And I think his drop last year was a lot to do with the offensive line going to shit. Okay, and that's why I have him that high. I uh, I hope you're right. I I think he's going to have a very short leash this year, especially with Frank Gore in the mix no. now. But I mean, listen, you very well could be right, and the offensive line was horrific last year. All right, so moving on to number six, I got Jordan Poyer. I thought last year in the first half, I thought he kind of stunk. I know he ended up with four interceptions, and he's got nine in his two years with the Bills. Now, conversely, the second half of the year, I thought he was as good as anyone on the team. I just, I don't know if the distractions of the personal shit that he had going on last year might have influenced his play a little bit, might have been a little bit of a distraction, but I didn't like the way he played early on. I remember having many conversations with several people, you know, talking about his play, but... He's a good player, and he and he's a big playmaker. He seems to make plays at the right time. So I think six sounds pretty appropriate on this for where I would have him. What about you? Who you got at six? I got Matt Milano at six. I think he is probably he was he's been. I would say if you want to look for like a traditional linebacker and Lorenzo Alexander, I don't. He's more of a rusher to me. Like I think of him as like an outside linebacker who's constantly rushing the who should be rushing the passer. But I think. Milano has been their best linebacker the last two years. And I think he's been a really good linebacker. He's been a, a nice hidden gem for whatever, if it was McDermott or Doug Whaley or whoever picked him in 2017. Like, he's a really good player. I, I got him at number six. Okay. I got it. Number five, Jordan Poyer's safety mate, M- Micah Hyde. He had only had two interceptions last year. But you know what? Micah Hyde's not much of a stack. guy. It's not about the stats. He's just a really smart player. He's a sure tackler. He doesn't make mistakes in coverage. He's one of those safe guys that you can put out there and feel good about. So again, I mean, there's I, as we go down this list, I realize that I got some guys who might be ranked a little bit higher based on upside, but based on being the best players right now, I got Mike a Hyde at five. What do you got? I have the guy you just mentioned before, Jordan Poyer at five. Again, pound for pound, I would say he's probably the best contract on this team right now. Yeah. When you think about it, I they got him for a steal. Again, I don't I don't know who the hell found him because we we all know like Doug Whaley was kind of hack. We don't know what Doug Whaley did in that his final offseason, right. but uh, whatever. That was that was a gem, like a hidden gem of a guy that when he signed, I think all of us were like, oh, okay, great, special teams guy maybe. But he's been really good, and uh, I I'm looking forward to see what he does this season with it being like his third season here in the system. The defense I think is going to be even better, maybe you know, in terms of uh, having the same philosophy. And, uh, you know, with the addition of Ed Oliver, you know, whatever the hell he's going to play, obviously. I know they got that giant line, defensive line rotation they love running. But uh, I put him as five, as, as uh, fifth best. You know, you mentioned these contracts. And uh, as an aside, the Bills might have the best safety tandem in the entire NFL if you factor in the value of their contracts. Because both guys are 
Yeah. They're more than just worth it. Anyway, moving on. So we're at four here, and I got this guy ranked higher than you did. And admit, I'm talking about Tremaine Edmonds. And admittedly, maybe I'm have more of a little bit of a learning curve because he played middle linebacker, and you know, he, at that, that's a position that really takes more time to learn. And you were right about one thing too when you were talking about him. His numbers. I'm going to read his numbers real quick because on paper they sound great. Okay, he had 121 tackles, two sacks, two interceptions, two forced fumbles as a rookie playing middle linebacker in the NFL. Those stats sound great, but where I think you were 100% right, he wasn't very impactful, especially early in the season. Over the last month of December, like you said, he started looking more like an impact player. The reason why I have him four right now is because he could take numbers like that and improve on them, and I think he's going to start making more impact plays as well. I like this kid a lot. I love his talent. I think, again, just like I said uh, with Josh Allen, could be a contender a year from now to be number one on this list. Ditto for Tremaine Edmonds for me. Anyway, so I got him at four. What do you got? I got Mitch Morris as four. I mean, if you're – he's – He's the crown jewel of the free agent class. Yep, and, safe and uh, solid. It, yep. Yeah, safe and solid. I mean, he's they're they're paying him the highest center. I'm not going to sit here and pretend I watched 87 games of the Chiefs over the summer to see how he wasn't at being center. But I, I'm going to assume, and assumption is the mother of all f ups. But I'm right. going to assume anyway that if you're paying this guy that much money, he has to be like a top five player on your team. And no, no, no despair. Hey, get your money, buddy. You know, if you can. But I'm, I'm just going to assume he's he's in that top five right now. And I got him as, I got him as number four. So okay. hopefully he's good. So by, I could be wrong. If he gets blown up the first week by the nose tackle, I'm going to, he's, I'm going to be like, God damn you free agency. But uh, I got him as four. <laughs> I'll tell you what, after having Russell Bonine and uh, Ryan Groy, at center for over the last season. That guy's going to be such a welcome addition. Number three, again, another guy that I got up higher than you. I got Matt Milano at three. I thought last year before the injury, he missed the last three games. I thought he was a Pro Bowl caliber linebacker. And that's last year. I think is going to even be better this year. Like you said, under the system for a second year. I just really like this guy a lot. He had a couple really bad games where he was absent. In fact, I remember during the season, we would do some MVP, LVP, like as we were doing game breakdowns. And I remember I had this guy as MVP like three times and LVP twice because he was absent out there. But when this guy's good, I think he's as good as anyone on this team. And I expect it going forward for him to be more consistent. And I just think his talent's off the charts. So I got him at three. Who you got? I got Michael Hyde at uh, three. I think he's been, he's been great since he's been here. He's like the, he's like the good safety where, you know, like with safety, sometimes you're like, okay, I don't know if he's really good or not because he's not showing up on the stats sheets as much as he should. He shows up on the stat sheets. So like, that's why I'm like, ah, he gets picks. He's, he's, he's a leader. He's been like, you know, on playoff teams before again, a solid that free agent class with McDermott and Whaley. Well, I hate mentioning Whaley since no one gives him credit. It seems like, but like that was a very solid free agent class when they went on the defensive side of the ball with him and Poyer. But like Hyde's been great. I mean, he's, I think he's number three. Hey, he's, he's ranked. He, I think he's the highest rated player on Madden. So if that's any, if that's any worth any <laughs> nerdy gamers out there, but uh, I like, I like his, I like his play. All right, so we're at number two. I have Jerry Hughes. I don't just look at numbers. I I mean, he had seven sacks this year. That's not great, but he's just an all-around, minus getting stupid penalties, which is a problem. I think he's an all-around player. He doesn't even get those anymore. I know, he's been better with those, but he's so good at putting pressure on the quarterback. I don't have the stats in front of me, but I know he's one of the best players in the entire NFL when it comes to percentage of quarterback pressures. He's good against the run. 
I just like this guy a lot. I'm really glad they extended him because now, before they gave him that extension, we were talking about the defensive end position is going to be a complete overhaul after this season. It still may be, but at least they got their best defensive end back in the mix for sure. I like Jerry Hughes a lot. So for me, he's number two. What about you? Yeah, Jerry Hughes is great. I had him as number two as well. And I, I bet you, number one, we have the same guy. Sure. But Hughes at two is great. He gets pressure on the quarterback. You know, he's his sack numbers have gone down a little bit. But, like, it's I think it's a big reason is, like, he's not – the defensive line is not as talented as it was when he first got here with, with Mario Williams and Darius and Kyle Williams in his prime. I think that's kind of affected his sack numbers probably a little bit. But he still gets he still gets after the quarterback. He's good against the run. Anyone, you know, Jerry, your boy Jerry Sullivan hates him and like always takes a dump on him on Twitter. I don't know why he. Has yeah, and I hate it, but that he's, shit. Yeah, yeah, and he's and he's worth every penny they pay him, and he's not even getting that a crazy amount of money. He's only had I think two, uh, two sportsmanlike conduct penalties in the last like two years. So that that thing has like died down a little bit, and like because it's easy to like fall into an easy, like, Oh, no one, everyone thinks he's getting all these penalties and he's really not. Okay. He stopped once Rex Ryan left, they, he got disciplined or whatever the hell happened, but he doesn't get as many as he hardly used to get them. And you know, he's, he's a great player. Like he's a good solid player. He's worth the money. Is he going to be an all pro? Is he Bruce Smith? No, but he's good. And like, he's definitely like, you know, He's the guy you would want as like your second best, you know, your your second. I would say quite if they had another pass rusher that was like elite, like better than him, that would be great. And I think you kind of do want that at some point. But like he's a great solid number two guy for your front seven on any NFL team. Yeah, I agree, man. And I also I also think sacks is such an overrated stat. I really do. I would rather have somebody who's constantly putting pressure on a quarterback who's hurrying throws. To me, that's an important stat. To me, sacks could be so overrated. A quarterback, at least once every other game, almost falls into you where you get a sack. You know what I mean? He might be scrambling around and he goes right into you. So I think that's an overrated stat. Before we get to number one, obviously we're both going to agree on this guy. Wanted to run a couple guys down that we both omitted from this list that some fans out there listening might think deserve to be on there. We Neither of us have Foster on there. And I that for me, that's because... You can't do something for one half season and be a top 10 player on a team. Neither of us have Dawkins on there. I thought he stunk last year. Lorenzo Alexander, probably you can make a really good case that he belongs somewhere in that 10 to 6 range, but we both, neither of us have him, and that's fine. Zay Jones, he needs to be more consistent. Frank Gore is a good player, good name, will be a Hall of Famer, but he's not even going to be a starter on this team. Shaq Lawson, if the Bills thought that highly of him, they would have offered him that fifth-year option, and they didn't do that. The only one that we kind of disagreed on, and honestly, I'm going to give you the point here. I'm going to give you the W on this one, is I had Cole Beasley on my list, and you had Ed Oliver. I didn't have Ed Oliver because, to me, he's a rookie who hasn't done a thing in the NFL yet. But 10 best Buffalo Bills players, he's going to walk into training camp day one, get on that field, and he's going to be one of the 10 best players. So. I'm gonna give you the I would w. hope. Yeah, I'm gonna I mean, give, I'm gonna give you the W. I on would that. hope on that. Re- I mean, hey, I, that could be flying in my face. I'm just thinking of again. Look at this roster. Look where pe- I, I look. I look where people have been drafted. Because if you're been, especially the Bills being kind of a little bit of a younger team, and like there's not too many homegrown guys here. Meaning, like you don't have like the high draft picks because they got rid of all the high draft picks you brought in because they they got rid of all Doug Whaley's guys. You know, right. so you have to start. They've started from scratch, and I just think a guy who's picked in the top ten. He's got carte blanche to be like in the top ten of your best players because of where he was drafted, especially if you're a team that just here's when you you went six and ten last year. Let's right. not act like they're fourteen and two, 
you know, and 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 they're on the cusp of a, a thirteen and three record, which I don't think they are as of right now. Maybe they will be, but like that's why I have. Them. Hey, look, Beasley, I, I did, you know, he's. He's fine. I don't know. Beasley Beasley was always, to me, like, in Dallas, he was, like, their de facto number one wide receiver. It felt like a few times, and he probably shouldn't have been their number one wide receiver, you know, the, during, like, the last couple of years. Like, I don't even remember who they – because they had Des Bryant. I'm like, oh, wait, actually, Des was their guy, and then Des got hurt all the time. He was getting hurt, and I don't know. I just felt like he was a byproduct, I think, of, like, a lot of times, like, they had no one else to throw the ball to because Des was getting hurt. And, you know, last year he was getting the bob and then until they got um, the Oakland guy, Cooper, you know, and then he kind of took over. So, you know, we'll see what happens with Beasley. I mean, he's, uh, you know, I actually I probably would say I like John Brown a little bit more. I mean, at least John Brown has had like a thousand yard season. I see a little bit more talent with him. He's a deep threat. Whereas Beasley, I don't know. I, I, I feel Beasley is more of a system guy. Like it's more about how well the offense uses like that slot wide receiver. You know, if, if he was in, if he was in new England with Tom Brady and they use that slot guy constantly, like we see them, then I would be like, I would probably up his ante a little bit more, right. but, but because I have no idea how Josh Allen is going to use the slot guy. Cause he, he really didn't do much underneath last year. Like his, his highlights really are were, were like going deep. Like that was what he did best. And that's what John Brown is good for like going deep. And you know, that's kind of like where I'm at with Beasley in comparison to Brown. Not, you know, but, not uh, on the list as well. Noticeably absent is Trent Murphy and star Lodele, who are, by the way, are the two big free agent signings from a year ago. Neither of them are on either of our lists, but anyway, getting the number one, we obviously are both going to agree on this. I got Trey white. He only had two interceptions last year. Four as a rookie. Again, stats could be overrated. He's their best player. By the way, not as good last year as he was his rookie year. He struggled a lot at times last year, especially against A.J. Green. But for the most part, he's a shutdown corner. He's an elite corner, I think. I think team's game plan is stay away from him and not counting the quarterback because, of course, Josh Allen would be the guy. But this, if you had to pick a guy on this team, the second least guy that you want to lose to an ACL injury for the next year, for me, it would be Trey White. That's the guy that's the most irreplaceable on this roster to me after Josh Allen. Why Why do you got him number one? Uh, same reasons you just laid out. I mean, pound for pound, he's like what you want at, at a quarterback, cornerback position. He's physical enough. He's fast enough. And uh, he can dance, which I love. When he dances, he's the man, uh, especially if you have that gift. But he's a good player. <laughs> and, you know, he's he's been kind of their big they're big. They're probably the best draft pick they've had in the, in the last three years, obviously. Uh, I right. mean, Josh I Allen and Edmonds are still, we're waiting to see what happens with them, but he's, he's been great. It will be interesting to see what, how the secondary does this. I'm still a little, you know, with the, you know, not, uh, you know, I'm freestyling a little bit here, but like with the secondary this year, I, 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 I'm scared a little bit because everyone going into training camp, it feels like no one cares about the defense. Like everyone's like, Oh, the defense is going to be fine. Don't worry about it. Fuck them. Well, They're, hold on. Fine. Before you get into that, you're kind of leading into what I was going to ask you next. before we oh, wrap up Bill's covers and that says, no, that's good. That's good. Name me a thing or two that, that you're kind of looking forward to seeing about training camp in the preseason. And for you, it sounds like that's the path that you're talking about. The defensive side, the defensive backfield in particular. Yeah, I mean, the defensive backfield, I think it's going to be, it's solid, but I'm scared about that second, third, fourth, and fifth cornerback sure. shot. I I don't, look, EJ Gaines was great two years ago, but he's injury prone. He didn't, pl- he played what, like five games last year. I mean, he's, he's an injury, he's, he could easily go down. Ke- Je- Kevin Johnson, I mean, again, 
injuries. Like, okay, great. Then you got Wallace as the other corner. Again, he, yeah, he played, he played last year. I don't know if he's going to be good. Sorry. I you know if you're an undrafted guy and I hate to, or wherever he was drafted, was he drafted or undrafted? I forgot, but he's, he wasn't like you're a highly touted guy coming he, here. He wasn't. Yeah. So it's like, I don't know how long you, you can keep that up and you have to do more where if you're someone who's like picked late, like, look, we just talked about Deion Dawkins. Like you said, like he stunk last year, which I agree with. And this is a guy who, what were people saying last year about Deion Dawkins? Franchise left tackle. They were, they were experts were saying that. Okay. It wasn't just like egg avatar, freaking Twitter people. Like people were like, Oh, they got their, their left tackles like solidified after one year. And it's like, no, like it's a long process, man, in terms of careers. That's why I don't, I don't buy into like, like Robert Foster. Oh yeah. Like I was arguing with Nate Geary the other day on Twitter and he was saying Robert Foster's destined to be the number one wide receiver. I was like, dude, like pump your brakes, bro. I mean, he had like four really good games and he's an undrafted guy who got cut. Like, how, how are you going to say that? Like he's, he's destined to be a number one. Like, I, I'm sorry. I've been around the block enough in to know where I've seen everyone like tie their rope to like someone and go, this guy's going to take me places on this side of the ball because and it's based on a very small body of work, and then they just fizzle out because it's just lightning in a bottle. You know what I mean? So yeah. I, I got to, you know. Well, so when ahead. I when you hear about Foster, I don't like the word destined. I don't agree with Nate there. I do agree though that he has a potential. When you take that wide receiver group, I think he's the most naturally talented receiver. But for me, the one thing that I'm looking forward to more than anything at training camp, and I can't believe I'm saying this, is the offensive line. Only because sure. it's just so many different ways it could play out. Like we both said, Mitch Morse. Pen, you don't, not pencil, pen his ass in. He's a starting center. Yeah. From there, who knows? Dawkins can play left tackle, right tackle, guard. I like Ty Naseki personally at left tackle, but he's probably going to start at right tackle and compete with Cody Ford, who could be a guard. You got Spencer Long, who could be a guard or a center. John Feliciano, same thing, guard or center. Spain could play guard. He could be off the team. He could get cut. What's going on with Ty, Wyatt Teller? Is he even going to make the team? Where's his role on this team? Lager and Waddle. What's his role going to be? I'm pretty sure he's going to make the roster. I think he's a nice, reliable swing tackle, but is he going to be the third tackle, the fourth tackle? Who the hell knows? There's so many questions when it comes to the offensive line, but the difference between this year and last year is all the parts sucked last year. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Ducasse, yeah. I mean, he's still on the team right now. So is Bonai, technically. I didn't bother mentioning them because unless a lot of injuries happen, neither of them are going to be here. But those guys and Ryan Groy and John Miller, these guys all sucked last year. So it's like, try to come up with some Band-Aid combination that would make you at least decent. This year, at least, I mean, none of these guys have proven a lot as starters other than Mitch Morris, but there's so many more combinations and potential for the line to be much better than last year. So that's what I'm yeah, looking forward that's, to. That, I mean, yeah, that's that's a big one. Obviously, Josh Allen, let's see how it goes. I'm going to try, like I said, when I open this up, I'm going to try not to... I, I may decide, I, I, I kid you not, I may decide not to have any football takes for August. You're hoarding your takes? You're hoarding. I'm hold, I, you may not, the, the running with Joe may not be coming back until the week before the, the season. I'm telling you, <laughs> I, I may, because I just don't, I don't want to get wrapped up. I don't into blame like, you. You're right. Play, play by, I don't want to get wrapped up into play-by-play -play training camp practices where Josh Allen throws a bad football and then like Twitter is aghast and then they're yelling at someone because... They said, oh, Josh, you know, Allen looked bad today. And it's like, oh, it's just practice. And then vice versa happens. I don't want to get wrapped into that whole crap. Because, it's, it, look, 
We talked about this last year at the podcast. Preseason training camp, it's all fake. It's it's a lot. I mean, Peterman was was Joe Montana last year in the preseason, and look what happened. He was right. horrible. I so I'm just I'm just I, I, I'm gonna I, I may I may hold my takes for August. I may not even tweet about the Bills. I may just I've been I have not tweeted much at all in like the last two months about the Bills. If you go through my feed, it's mostly me yelling about Donald Trump. It's mostly me yelling about TV shows and. Um, that's and it. Nate Gary's really terrible food takes. And Nate Gary's horrific food takes, <laughs> which I am just appalling over there. But that that is it. I mean, I haven't, I haven't, I haven't gone full. I may, I may hold off. Look, I don't have a website anymore, so I don't know. I don't have to go out and look for stats to like you know prove a point. I'll wait. I'll wait till the regular season starts. That's what I'm going to do. I don't need. Well, let's get you a little tonight. fired up right now, my man Aaron Quinn, who I do a segment with sometimes. I said, yo, you got any questions for Joe? And he says, and I'm quoting here, what are his thoughts on training camp at Russ Brandon's alma mater, St. John Fisher? I'll hang up and listen. He obviously knows how you feel about Russ Brandon. Why do you hate Russ Brandon? Now, listen, I want the the Cliff Notes version, man. Not the not oh the God. whole story because we'll be doing this for two well, weeks. What what two, makes you hate months. Russ Brandon so much? Wait, well, hold on. Let me, I, I want to, I want to answer something how Aaron's phrased that. One of the biggest lies, and this co this goes into my feelings about Russ, is that he gets so much credit for certain things and then zero credit for when things go bad. I one time when he got fired last year, I was I did like a really long Twitter thread about how big of a douchebag he was and how terrible he was. And one thing I found out, and you may not know this, but I found the article of when the Bills announced, hey, we're moving from Fredonia to Rochester, to St. John Fisher. And it was it was in the Buffalo News, and there were three people from the Bills quoted in that article saying, like, this is going to be good for the region, this is going to be good for the team. And, you know, and they were all on the business side of the football team. And guess who was not on that? Russ Brandon. Russ Brandon, and, and that's the thing. People give Russ Brandon credit for the Rochester initiative. He wasn't even the one that brought it there. Like, they had brought some other suits. He probably stabbed them in the back and got rid of them, probably. Who the hell knows? <laughs> but, like, he he had nothing to do with bringing the Bills to Rochester. And then you would, if you were to listen to any Rochester sports guy, they would say, oh, he was the big, he was the big point of the big point guy to bring, that, to bring the Bills to Rochester. He wasn't. Go, I looked up the article. I found it. Three guys who I'd never even heard of were the ones who brought that in. He just inherited it. And, like, everything, he's like, oh, I did this, not you. And that's it. Look, Russ sucks. I never liked his business acumen. He he was a guy who everyone gave him credit for filling up the Bills stadium. Look, it's the NFL. It's not hard to fill up an NFL stadium, especially when you have the cheapest ticket in town and you rely on binge drinking to get people to tailgate. Okay, that's exactly why he he sold that stadium out for so many years. It had nothing to do with him and anyone who paints that picture probably got fed sources from him and bullshit. He's a liar, a con man. I And it's not a mistake. Look, he's been out of work for what, 16 months? Now he hasn't found anything. No job. No, he got he worked at at the, at the hat company for one day, and then and then Tim Graham outed him, and then he got fired. Or who the hell knows? But he hasn't he hasn't worked at any NFL team since then. Think about that, Pat. A guy who has 20 years at the NFL senior level, who allegedly like oh he brought the Bills to Rochester. Oh he he did the the lease. Oh he he was this that or the other thing. He's got nothing. And this is an, the NFL with 32 teams where people get fired all the time. And he got nothing. He sucks. He's terrible. 
and he's a putz, and I I've never liked him, and I never and, and again people never gave it, and the, the stuff that he didn't he that no one gave him credit for was when he was the GM, and no one and like at that time I remember there were pieces in the Buffalo News were like oh wow look at he's forward thinking he traded for Marcus Stroud you know when he was the GM, and then after that whole shit happened where he was not where the Jerron teams imploded and weren't good it became oh wait he had nothing to do with that he was a de facto GM it was all jo- Tom Modrak and Dick Jerron. Like, give me a break, okay? Like, get the hell out of here. People, like, covered up for his ass for years. And now and now with the whole Rochester thing going around where it seems like they're leaving that place. And, like, I, I saw, like, Vic Carucci, like, had a piece. And Vic was like, yeah, you know, it's lost its luster. It's like, dude, did it lose its luster because Russ Brandon got fired? And that's why you're not all of a sudden think it sucks. Okay, because everyone loved it two years ago and was like, oh, my God, this is like this is how you regionalize the team through practices, you know, so whatever. Russ Branding sucks. Let's take a quick break. I want to drop some props to today's presenting sponsor. Today's episode of the Moranalytics podcast is being brought to you by Pulse Cellular. Pulse Cellular was created to give a better option for everyone out there who is looking for premium wireless phone service at less cost with straightforward plans, no strings attached, no confusing fine print, none of that BS that you get with most other cell providers. They got you covered nationwide in the United States. Unlimited talk and text, premium fast LTE data plans, hotspot coverage, no additional costs in all 50 states as well as the Caribbean, Canada, and Mexico. Plans also include free Wi-Fi calls unlimited when calling internationally inside United States lines. If you have a phone and you don't want to buy a new phone, there's almost a guarantee that you can still use your old phone. Pulse will check your phone to make sure it's compatible. It's rarely a problem. Most phones are compatible, especially iPhones. You can also get a brand new phone number if you want, but if you're currently using another provider and you want to keep your old phone, you can For your own phone number, you can. At worst, you might have to wait a bit while your current provider disconnects that number, but ultimately, you'll get to keep the same phone number that you have now. There's no credit checks. There's no contracts. There's no overage costs. Go visit PulseCellular.com and check out their plans. By the way, as a bonus, put in promo code Moran on any online order and you'll receive another 10% off the price of a new phone or your plan. I'm telling you, you can't beat it. Find out for yourself what more and more people are finding out each and every single day. And that is life is better with Pulse. I should have led you on. I should have saved that for the finisher. That would have been a perfect finisher. You know, you remind me of right now, my mother-in-law, how she feels about Donald Trump. She hates him and she can't stop. Once she gets going, she can't stop it. When I'm in Buffalo, we always, me and my wife usually stay at my wife's parents' house. And to kind of get back at my dad. I'll always bring up something about Trump making America great again. Not necessarily saying that I believe that, but whatever, just to get, get her going. Actually, I don't even need to because she'll be sitting in the other room and the news will be on. And if, if there's a story about Trump out there or something, you could hear her just start rumbling and going oh, in the background. That's kind of like how you are with Russ Brandon and, and the gifts and all that stuff, man. That's, yeah, that's he's terrible. Thing. Yeah, he's, he sucks. And I, I just, I, I always hated him. He got, no, he is the one. I mean, now I bet you there will be more like reporters now, like taking a dump on him now that he's gone to show like how much better, especially with the training camp thing. If they eventually move training camp to to 
Orchard Park, you know everyone's going to be like, oh, this is so much better. And it's like, during this, and they're doing it because, like, that was probably at the end Russ's baby because he did like going there probably so so St. John Fisher can, like, lick his taint when he walked in and was like, I'm the greatest of all time. But, like, the, the, this is the guy who was supposed to be the, was the president. He had that stupid press conference where, where he's like, Ralph Wilson passed the baton to me. And then, like, he tried acting like he didn't have a say in hiring Doug Whaley when Buddy Nix quit or Doug Marone. And it was like, oh, that, that's, that wasn't on me. That was on Buddy Nix who hired, who hired uh, Doug Marone and hired Doug Whaley and then retired. It's like, bullshit. You freaking did it. You hired a duo that hated each other that imploded within a year. Like, he should have been fired five seconds then. And then the Pagulas made him the president of the Sabres. The guy sucked. He was horrible. That's why he doesn't have a job. He was terrible. I've wasted enough time on this. Move on. <laughs> I know how to get you going, man. I love it. All right, man. Let's move okay, on. Russ I want to ask you an NFL thing here, okay? What are your thoughts on potentially an 18-game season? Because there are reports out there that this is at least a semi-realistic possibility. And not only that, there's also been a report that says there might have been an 18-game NFL regular season with only two preseason games where a player cannot play in more than 16 games, meaning every player on the roster has to sit out two games. What Do you, do you got thoughts on that? What do you think? What are your initial thoughts? Ah, you know, I'm, I'm conflicted on it. Like, look, I've not asked for an 18 game schedule. I don't really care for one. I think 16 weeks of NFL football is kind of enough. Now I, I bring that into the realm of like, look, I've watched the bills for 20, for since 1990 or whatever. And like for most of my life, they have not been very good. So it's like, do I really need to see more bad football? Like, no. So I may not be the most objective person in regards to that. Um, at first, when I heard the idea of like, oh my God, two, they got to bench players for only 16 games. And I'm thinking like, we're going to have like, we're going to have like the classic like Bills of the 90s final game of the season when they would rest everyone and Frank Wright would play and it would be Frank Wright and, and Kenny Davis like starting, you know, in the final game. And I kept thinking that was going to be it, but you could, you could sprinkle that along and you can also have the injuries are effect because if some guy gets hurt, then that's one game that they don't have to play. Um, you know, in terms of that. So, you know, injuries factor into that. You could also be someone who decides maybe every, every game, like, oh, Hey, I'm, we're going to, we're going to bench four starters every game until everyone is at 16 by, by week 10 or something like that. You know what I mean? Right. And maybe that's, that could be the plan. It's, it gives you a different bit of strategy a little bit, but I just, but then you have to worry about the gameplay. Like, is the gameplay going to, you're going to have backups in there and like backups suck. You know what I mean? Like I have the, one of the things I've never cared about discussing with anyone has always been like the depth of a team, because for the most part, even like backup quarterbacks, they're always going to suck. Like, yeah, you may have an anomaly where some guy comes out of nowhere and he breaks in and he's like, oh, he's he becomes maybe he becomes Robert Foster, whatever, where it's like, it's like oh, he was the seventh wide receiver. He could be number one. You know, you maybe get that one guy that like breaks through. But for the most part, they all suck. The talent's not there. The only way it could kind of work is if, like, A, you you got rid of the cap maybe to the point to where teams aren't worried anymore and they're just bringing – they're stockpiling players. Like, oh, hey, we're going to bring bring in as many players as possible and who cares about the cap. That's not going to happen because the NFL loves how they spend money and they, they don't have to guarantee contracts and all that sort of jazz. Um, so, yeah, I have mixed feelings about it. I don't really need it, to be honest with you. It makes some sense on a, like – you know, in a health conscious way, if you're like, okay, hey, you only got to play, you're only going to play 16 games. But I just, 
it's going to water down the product and not have it good enough. But I think they will eventually get there. I mean, the NFL wants to make money. That's it. You know, that's what they want to do. So, you know, I don't know what they can do, what else they can do in terms of that. You know, maybe they could pull a page out of soccer where soccer has like a different tournament when they like they, you know, with like the Premier League, like they have like the Champions League where all the best teams go to. And I don't know, just like maybe they could do a different tournament or something where it's like, oh, hey, we're going to have a different set of playoffs maybe for like in April or something like that. And maybe you win something like if you win that that game. And it's about like, money. There's no question that it's about money. First of all, man, here's my take on it. If it's going to happen quarterback's got to be exempt right away, okay? the pro- Part of the problem is there's not even arguably 32 great quarterbacks in the NFL right now, let alone 64. You're guaranteed that a backup's going to have to play a minimum of two games. So that's a big problem. Uh, you hit on a lot of the pros. Player safety, that's definitely a pro. Another one is uh, they'll get an extra week. I'm sure there would be two buys, so players will yeah. get an extra buy. Plus, they're sitting out two weeks. So definitely player safety would be a, a positive. And then the other thing, too, is that if you're going to have an extra week with extra buys, you need more players because they got to sit out twice. The roster sizes in the NFL will be bigger. It's not, it'll be, it would be more than 53 men on a roster. So that means more NFL jobs, more NFL salaries. That's the pros. The cons, you said it. It's going to water down the product, especially for fans, and especially a quarterback if they don't change that. Can you imagine paying big money to go see Patrick Mahomes play in Buffalo, and then they decide on Thursday that he's not going to play that week? You know, after you pay big money to go yeah. see that? But even besides the quarterback, even if I, like they said, you know, I said no quarterback should be exempt from this or, or should be allowed to have to sit two games. But there's other position players that I want to go see. You know, I want to see J.J. Watt if the Bills are playing Houston. I'm paying money. That's got to matter. That's got to factor in. So a watered-down product would be an issue. And also, I think it would be a huge advantage, by the way, if this happened to the offense because you might know ahead of time, I'm going to sit this guy this week or whatever. You could game plan an offense, but a defense can't game plan for your offense because you don't know who's going to be in or out. So probably, I don't know if that's a con, but that would be an effect of it. One last thing, too, by the way. Chris Trapeso from uh, CBS Sports had an article, and he talked 68%. This is a good stat. 68% of players in the NFL failed to play in all 16 games last year. So even if they were to implement this, this might sound like, oh, my God, you're going to have these guys all have to sit two games. Well, Almost 70% of the NFL didn't play in 16 games when it's a 16-game schedule. So maybe the effect wouldn't be quite as much as we envision that it would be right now as we just discuss this. Yeah. Yeah, because injuries are a factor in everything. So, yeah, I, I don't know. It's 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 so uh, – uh, yeah, I, I, I think I think you, you have to – I mean, that, if they want to go – Isn't that a pretty wild stat, though, dude? Almost yeah. 70% of players in the NFL do not play all 16 games. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, it, I don't think it's that surprising to be honest with you. Right, so, like, yeah. Players don't like. I don't know. Like, think back to the glory days of the Bills. Like, how great those players were. Like, so, quarterbacks kind of kind of play. I think I saw. I think I think I was listening to GR the other day, and I think Sal Capaccio had it where uh, only twenty quarterbacks I think started every game. You know, and the, and that's the position where it's like, hey, you're not. You're, they're protecting those positions. You know what I mean? And they're still getting hurt. You know, in regards to that. So. That that whole thing may not be an issue, but here's the thing: the NFL, the players aren't going to do that. The players want more money. Like if they're going to do that, and that's the thing: like if you're only pay, playing 16 games, are you you you're not going to get paid? Are you going to get paid for 18 then, or how is that going to yeah. work? Since you're not playing those those two extra games, but I think eventually they will. They'll do something with that. You know, I do too. I, I think eventually there's going to be an 18 game season. I don't like it for the record. If we had a vote right now, if this was like 
an election on election night and we had to vote yes or no, I a hundred percent would vote. No, I don't want, I'd rather let's have 16 games. Let's still cut the preseason, but it's a business. We know how the NFL is, man. It's an owner driven yeah. league. So that's why I do ultimately think that there will be, it's not going to be a, a democratic thing. This is going to be 32 right. owners saying, yo, we're going to make more money. It's going to be interesting to see what happens with the next CBA, man. Cause I think the NFL players are like, Hey, you're guaranteeing money in the NBA. These guys are making a shit ton. There's not too much goodwill, I would say, right now between the players and the ownership. Even going back to like the flag stuff where the owners came out looking like assholes and the players weren't too thrilled with them. Right. I think they're I think they're gonna come for blood and they're gonna be like, hey, we want like guaranteed money, maybe. Like they're gonna come, they're gonna come balls to the wall in this one. Cause the last one, I think when I don't even remember when, but was it 2011 that it was a little I don't remember, but I thought it was, I remember 2011, I think was the last time that it was up the deal, but I could, and then they may have extended it at some point, but I, I don't remember. But I think, I think like the NFL, they're looking at it like the players and they deserve it. They deserve more money. I mean, come on, like, look, the NBA is great. I like, I like, love the NBA, but like when you go pound for pound, when it comes to money coming in, the NFL is making more money than the NBA is making right sure. now. So they should get more money. They should get guaranteed more guaranteed contracts and whatnot. So I think they're going to look into that and go, what the hell is this crap? Like, let's yeah. put a stop to this. And they should. Like, they should get paid. I'll tell you, we can have an entire episode just on NFL contracts compared to other sports and how yeah. I think it's absolutely ridiculous. And now I have a much better understanding for why some of these guys hold out. Because I get it more now, the guaranteed money compared to other sports. Sure. We'll do that another time. I want to switch gears real quick here. On Twitter earlier this week, our friends over at Cover One, that's a Buffalo Bills website that I really like a lot. I think they do. Listen, there's a million blogs out there that write about the Bills. I think they're different. They break down film. They do things differently, and they're really good. But anyway, they complain. I don't want to say they complain, but they let people on Twitter know that they were denied any media access by the Buffalo Bills. Last year, if you remember, Sully went on a public rant when 1270 to fan was denied credentials by the bills, which was a total personal thing. I think the bills just don't like him and Bucky Gleason who was there at the time. I think that's obvious. I don't really need much discussion, but anyway, meanwhile, here's the thing. Stations like WYRK and 97 rock and publications like business first are in that Buffalo bills press box of games. And I know that for a fact, what are your thoughts on there? More specifically about non mainstream outlets, such as blogs that are, you know, struggling to get any real team access. Don't you feel like there should be somebody in the Bills media relations department? And I don't know, maybe it's a whole NFL league-wide policy. If so, then I apologize, but I don't think it is. Having said that, somebody from the Bills should be evaluating blogs, seeing what they bring to the table or something. Because, listen, it's 2019. People consume sports news in all different ways, including this podcast, for an example. But don't you think somebody should be evaluating and saying, all right, these guys should be covering this team. You know what I'm saying? And they should get more access than they're allowed, but they don't because sure. they're not a newspaper. Sure. I, yeah. I mean, I do think uh, it depends. Look, I've, I've been that guy and I'll, I'll, I'll roll into cover one Eric's thing. I've been the guy when I started blogging, I wanted access. Like I want to go to Sabres and Bills games. I should be, I got tracked, you know, I got traffic. I got readers, blah, blah, blah. And then, like, the Sabres did that in, like, 2012 where they were like, okay, hey, we're going to let you guys come in. I came in for one practice or not practice. I came in for a game. It did nothing for me. Nothing at all. I did not gain any sort of competitive edge. I did not – there was nothing new I could really add to what I was writing. 
And it was just, to me, it was just, hey, I'm here. You can network with a bunch of colleagues. Maybe you can get a source or two that can give you something. And that's the only reason why I think covering a team is beneficial for me. Like, in terms of a reader, in terms of even a writer. Like, unless I'm, like, because a lot of times these questions are just kind of like, they're going through the motions to answer it. You only have a couple minutes with them. It's cliche answers. Like, I don't need to cover Sean McDermott's press conference because I know it's going to be boring as shit. For cover one for Eric, I don't know what his plan is for him to go down there to cover the team. Is he going to go up to Eric? I was going to say Eric Wood, like he's there anymore. Is he going to go up to Cole Beasley and go, Cole Beasley, here, let me show you this clip because, you know, that's what he does a lot of. He does a lot of the clip stuff. Like, here's you you running a a slant option or whatever the fuck. Like, what are you doing here? Like, is he going to ask him those questions? Because that's kind of what his niche is. And, I, I mean, I don't know if he's going to ask that. I don't know if the Bills want Cole Beasley to go inside what it's like to run a specific route, you know, or what 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 coverage they were doing in this play. I don't. They may not want to want to talk about that. The other thing too is that you know Eric uses a lot of footage from the NFL. Like he puts it online all the time. I could be completely wrong, but I think the NFL has like a no. Do not post stuff on Twitter, videos, gifts, or anything on for anything. They do not like that. I know for a fact that when Jeremy White used to do, he used to do the all 22 recap. Remember when he used to do that shit all the time at WGR? Yeah, the NFL put a stop to that. They did that to me too when yeah. I had my blog. I remember that. Yeah. That happened to me too. So that they might be doing that to him because of that. Like, Hey, we don't want you to cover it because you're putting stuff online. And that may be one of the things maybe he has, to, I don't know. Maybe they told him like, Hey, you want to come here? You can't be putting stuff online anymore. And if they tell him that, then what the hell's his website? Cause his website is known for him breaking down film. Like that's what they're known for. So like that may be where he's at in that regard. So, you know, I, I, you know, if he, I feel bad, but I don't think it's going to really be a detriment to his, 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 pieces i don't know like again i don't know how you could ask like are you showing footage of cole beasley to cole beasley hey this is me running this route like this is you running a route what are you doing here like what are you thinking here like you know and you're doing kind of like a nfl matchup type thing like are the bills gonna let him do that i don't know i I can't see that happening in a oh a scrum where like seven reporters are around cole beasley and eric shows a video of hey can you discuss your the touchdown route can you discuss what coverage it was and this and that or the other thing like you know i don't know if that's something they want is that but i don't think it's going to hurt his coverage again i think access is overrated i learned that when i went down to cover a sabers game it just it just doesn't do anything for me it just doesn't it's it, to me it's it's just hey you're you're networking if you get a source that's where it's at and i don't think eric is going to be the type that's going to go down there and and try to be John Worrell of fucking the, you know, you know, the cover one press to break stories. So no, I don't completely agree with you. I don't think access is overrated. I think there's a lot of benefits. You, you name sources and stuff like that. It is not, it is not. You get, you develop relationships with players. You, you find out things that you're in the locker room every day that you don't. And listen, I'm not being Mr. Mainstream. And at the same token, I'm not parading against blogs and stuff like that, because I think it should be a case by case basis. I will say this, man, I don't want to, to name the person, but I talked to a source who has spent a lot of years working in media relations for a professional team. And part of the problem, part of the dilemma that they have is that if you, if listen, if you only go on how big, like how many that like you can put out numbers. Like I have so many visitors to my website each month. Here's proof. You can, first of all, you can inflate those numbers, but second of all, here's the problem that some of, media relations people have with some of these places that get into press boxes is 
Too many of them are just there to watch the game, to sit in the press box or stand around the locker room. And then when it's all over, they're not even writing anything. They're calling floaters. That's what the that's what my source said. They're floaters. Those people are in the press box and they shouldn't be. Meanwhile, some people are going to do good work aren't in there. I don't agree with you that there's not a benefit to covering a team. I think there's not. They're, 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 there's well, not. there's not. The only way is if you, get, if you get sources and you're breaking news, that's the benefit. Well, that, do not that, tell me. Do not matters. tell me. Yeah, but you hold on. What have we always discussed here, Pat, well, about breaking news in Buffalo? That no one hardly gets breaks anything in Buffalo, especially with the Bills. Yeah, you get John Wall. I'm not talking about breaking news, though. I'm not even talking about. But that's what I'm talking about. about. Sources. What well, are you, I'm not. You're, if, are you talking about one Sabres game? Yeah, if you're going to go cover one Sabres game and then do a recap after or listen to one press conference, then no, there's no benefit to being in access. But if you're covering that team's beat and you want to be at the practices, it's not even the games, man. It's the practices every day. But, and, but and you see what, what's going on with the lines. Why is this, this, and that? And you that, okay. that, that's but where I have an access, access benefit. The access you're talking but here, listen to me. Do you, how many, are you reading a Vic Carucci piece of like a recap with Sean McDermott? Like he does a story about Sean McDermott and the, and the defense after one game. Are you are you re, are you reading his quotes? Or are you maybe going online to watch the clip of his press conference yourself? That's the problem because I can go out there if I have access to athletes to players. I as a reader can go out there and go on the, to the Bills website and watch the damn press conference myself as a reader and go. Okay, great. I don't have to read Vic's piece on a recap of his quotes. That's what I'm talking about. So if anyone, unless you have a specifically great idea, and like I said, with like Eric going there and going, hey, like he does like the NFL matchup where he's like doing something with a player and the player's looking at old routes he's running. He's going to describe it or something like that. That's the only thing I could see it for him. Like, what's he going to ask? He's going to ask like, hey, tell me about this game. Like, like you guys played, struggled today. I don't have to read that shit because I'm going to see that in a video from the Bills website. Well, I get that's that, it. but you're talking about like Vic Carucci or Jay Skursky and game recaps or game previews. And yeah, that's fine. I get that. You can watch them at home, especially in today's technology. You can listen to every press conference on your computer. But what, what would you, what would happen if people like me, let's say the athletic, because they're a website and they're technically not a newspaper. Let's say if they got shut down and the bills didn't grant them access with Matt Fairburn can't get in the building and get that access to, to interview players to do some, some of the great stories that he does. Ditto for guys like Tim Graham. That's what I'm saying. It's yeah, got to be a case-to-case basis. There's guys in that press box that shouldn't be in there, and then there's guys that aren't sure. in that Look, press box that if, should be in there. If yes, okay, agree. Like if business, if Jim Fink or whatever the hell that guy's name is, is in that press conference, he's one of them. He's no and, business and, being yeah, in there. Yeah, uh, yeah. I don't know what the hell he's gonna. What's he gonna ask? Like, how is the inventory after the bills? Right. And for tickets, yeah. Right. So, sure. There's but no I'm reason. Just, I'm just telling you. Look, uh, on a in on a traffic and what. I, I don't recover one. I don't even follow him on Twitter, but like from what he's, I respect what he's done. So I'm going to assume like, yes, he has very good traffic. He should probably be in there. And, but again, I think there's a lot of variables. Like I said, I think the, him having doing the gifts of the player, I don't think you're not, you're supposed to do that. I think they probably hold that a little bit against him. And, you know, I don't know. I mean, I, I just don't think his product or anyone's product is going to get that much better with access. I just don't. Okay. And maybe I'm wrong. Look, if you want to do like a, if look, when, when Tim Grant, look, I'll say, I'll rephrase that. Maybe in some cases, like if you get a Q and a with a player, like an exclusive Q and a with Josh Allen, fine, maybe. But like, again, I don't know. A lot of these athletes, they're just so guarded in these pressers. They don't really say much. 
and like I said, if you're there and I get news from you, like, oh, this player doesn't like, I'm hearing that there's rumblings in the locker room that people aren't ha- that the players aren't happy with LaShawn McCoy or something like that, you know, or you know, like you know, Tyler Dunn would do a, re- a piece on Mario Williams every month where it would be like, these people like Mario Williams and these people hate Mario Williams, and they would be, you know, they would be you know, anonymous sources. Like that is where it comes into play. But I don't think depending on what your, what your mission is, are you a beat reporter or are you just going to be doing stuff on the film? Like stuff like that. And I don't think that's that access for him. I don't think it's going to really do much in terms of his content, but again, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe he has different ideas. I haven't talked to him about it. I would say, look, in to put in, you know, yes, I would say he should probably get access. And yes, there are definitely bloggers. I know that for a fact, too, that kind of don't ask questions and they come there and they watch the game. And then afterwards, they're chewing the fat with other press people. And you, that's that you shouldn't do. If you're going to go down there, you got to ask questions. I'm old school like that. And trust me, I wouldn't I don't really that's, take the mainstream that's the people's whole fans, you're but right. you should. Yo, that's what you I'm should saying. Ask questions. Somebody should be evaluating these blogs. What do they bring to the table? Our, and if I do let them in the press box, are they doing their job? Am I letting them in and they're not doing anything? You're, you're going to let them in. You're going to give them credentials, read their work. What are they doing that's different that they couldn't if they didn't have access? You know, if I wrote for a credible website and maybe I want to do a big story on if Cody Ford prefers to play guard or tackle, but if I can't get that access, I got to depend on someone else to ask him at a press conference a question that I'm hoping to get the answer to. So yeah, I really think it needs to be a case-by-case basis. I was just using cover one as an example, as an overall generalization that I think that these teams do a really poor job of having people let people who deserve to be in the press box be in there and kicking people out who had no business being in there. And I don't know Jim Fink or business first, but I can't fathom a situation where during a Buffalo Bills game, they need to be in a press conference or the press box and in a locker room afterwards. Anyway, let's move on, dude, because we could go back and forth all night with that. Sure. Quickly, WGR has a poll. They pretty much do it every night. And most times I don't really pay much attention to that crap, especially at night. But this was a fun one. It was on Tuesday or Wednesday. I don't remember what day. They asked if you could take any former Buffalo Bill and any former Buffalo Saber from any era of their team history, okay, and put them on today's roster, who would you take? Now, the first time they did that, pretty much everyone took Jim Kelly and, and Dominic Kasich. That's pretty obvious, okay? I personally didn't, by the way, but more on that in a second. Then they sent out another tweet a couple of minutes afterwards that said, all right, for the Bills, you were going to exempt Kelly, Bruce, Thurman, and Reed, and for the Sabres, no Hasek, no Miller, no Gilbert Parole, no Pat LaFontaine. So for fun, let me press that question to you. You can have any bill except the four that I said, and you could take them and put them on today's roster right now. Who would you take? I want to take one more break here and thank another episode sponsor, Identity Inc. Custom printing, screen printing, embroidery. They do it all. Buffalo owned and operated. If you're a fan of the 716, they got t-shirts, hats, hoodies, Stuff like that that are really, really cool. If you own a company or if you work for a company and you're looking to promote your brand, you want some custom stuff, they will design for you t-shirts, hoodies, polos, pens, coolers, golf balls, hats, coffee mugs, beer glasses, jerseys, sweats, whatever you want, Identity Inc. will hook you up. Awesome, reasonable prices, unmatched customer service. I've worked with them on multiple occasions through the years. In fact, we just wrapped up a contest that we did side-by-side with Identity Inc., where a podcast fan won three of their Buffalo-themed T-shirts. Love this company a lot. 
you will too. Go to identityinc.com. Check out all the merch that they have on their website, all the services, all the things they could do for you. Give them a follow on Twitter at Identity Inc. 716. Again, you won't go wrong. Really good company, unmatched customer service and great prices. Thanks to them. And on that note, let's get back to some more Running With Joe. Okay, so the big four are gone for the Bills. Yeah, no, so Jim, no Jimbo, no Bruce, no Thurman, no Andre. I'll put OJ on. No, just kidding. I'm, OJ doesn't even play there anymore. All right. Um, I would put... It's a thinker. It's a thinker once you take away those four guys. And by the way, w- while you're thinking, I actually was one of the few who didn't take Jim Kelly, which in hindsight, if I go back and do it again, I would. I took Bruce. I wouldn't. I would take Bruce. Yeah, I took in Bruce, the heartbeat. Bruce anyway, was dominant. He's not eligible. Yes. You're right. He's yeah, not he's eligible. not eligible. I'm going to go with... I'll tell you who I went with. God. I went with Will Wolford. You got ah, your you left know, I tackle. was gonna go. I was I was thinking Wilford a little bit. Like, yeah, I, was, I mean they have between... Hall of Fame guards that might have been better players like Billy Shaw or Joe D. But I I put more value at tackle. And if you go give me my stud left tackle, Pro Bowl left tackle. I'll take that every day. So that's the I'm, guy I'm that going, I got. I'm going Eric Moltz. I, I would one. go Eric Moltz. I think, dude. People do not realize how good Eric. Moltz. I do. There was. They are, like you do, yeah, you're old like me. But, like, he was from, like, there was talk from, like, 98 to 2004, and there were people like Alan Wilson and the Buffaloons who covered the Bills. He, I remember he would have columns and chats where there was talk of Eric Moulds versus Andre Reid in terms of, like, how good they were, you know, at their, t- at their top game. And I will say that there is a conversation, like, at their apex, they were almost equal. Because yeah. Moulds was, do- was dominant. In 98, 2000, and 2002. Like, he kicked ass. Yeah. Like, he was awesome. I completely I was, agree. You're 100% like, right. Yeah, and I don't know what – like, look, a lot of it was bad cop. You know, he he played with, like, seven quarterbacks or something like that. But he he got hurt, too. Like, it's it's weird with him. Like, if you, if you look at his career, like, where he got drafted, he got drafted in the T.O. draft, I think, in Marvin Harrison – Maybe and he played like six fewer years, I think, than all of the, the, than those two guys. That's how you know messed up his like injuries got to him. And mm-hmm. like that's it's one of those things where you know if he would have played longer, I think he would have been even a bigger stud. But like yeah, I would put him probably on that list. But like Wolford's a really good get, I would say. Well, Bennett is Cornelius Bennett's too, it's good too, man. Yeah. Like he was a hell of a, a. I I would always put Bennett like yeah. People but always you have Milano and Tr- Tremaine Edmonds though. You know what I mean? It's, you, oh you, right, I'm thinking bet. of like uh, I'm I'm thinking I, I'm like not thinking. Yeah, of we're not naming bills, the all time best like, bills. We're talking about guys that you sure. put on this roster today that would help this team win football games sure. in 2019. Yes. I like you, I yes. like Eric Bowles a lot too. And I'll tell yeah. you, this might be an unpopular opinion, but. You give me prime Eric Moulds and prime Andre Reid, I think they're even. I really do. I think the difference yeah. is Andre Reid and Jim Kelly had that magic chemistry between each other. Yeah. They knew yeah, everything. Jim Kelly. They yeah, knew everything. Jim Kelly. They knew everything was, about each other, whereas yeah. obviously he never had that chance with Moulds. But talent-wise, yeah, Moulds there. What about the Sabres, was, man? What about the Sabres? Okay. No Hassick. Who am I taking off again? Nope. No, no Hassick. Nope. No Miller. No Gilbert Perot. And no Pat LaFontaine. Who could help this team right now this season? Who would you take? Um, I'm going to go with Danny Brer. That's a good one. That's a great one. Yeah, yeah. I would go with him. I thought he was a game changer. After that, I would maybe put in like, you know, McGilney maybe like yeah. after that. So, so I suffered. I, I would have preferred McGilney or Rick Martin. 
But then I started saying, well, who the hell is going to be the second line center? There is none. And uh, I I said Dale Howard, Chuck. But yeah, Danny Breer for sure would be perfect, man. That'd yeah, be- you know what? Howard Chuck was not that great with the Sabres, man. He had like a, a couple of good years, but I don't know. He was only he wasn't that great here. Honestly, he was kind of at the end of his line when he got here. Uh, I mean, overall, he's a great player. Like when he was with Winnipeg, but like when he got here, it wasn't. He had like one or two good years, but anyways. All right, but, I want to uh, fly through some WWE. Because I did oh, promise at the top of the at the top of the episode, I said that we were going to talk some WWE. So let's hit on that real quick. I got a feeling. Yeah, the, the two I kinda hour got, podcast I got, continues. Yeah, go I got ahead, a feeling go that you're kind of in the same boat as me, where you haven't been watching much of it lately. I know I certainly haven't, but we both know that Brock Lesnar cashed in Money in the Bank, and he's now Universal Champ again. What were your thoughts on that? Um, uh, terrible. I don't, I'm I'm sick of Brock. I, I'm over Brock. I don't know why he needs a title anymore. It's stupid. I don't. I also don't like Seth Rollins' role as the the face of the company in terms of being the world champion. I think he's been very boring since he won it. Part of it is he's been stuck with freaking Corbin, and Corbin sucks, and he's got classic go away heat. But back to Brock, yeah, I don't. It's it's been done a hundred times the last six seven years. Like it's been Brock with the title, and he's going to defend it and then leave. Like awesome. You have to assume that with Paul Heyman running Raw, that something different's going to happen. It's got to. It can't be him being no. champ and defending the belt once every four months again. I agree with you about Seth Rollins, by the way. Although I don't really blame him as much as I blame Creative. He had a four-month run with the title, and three of those months he's wrestling with freaking Baron Corbin, which was yeah, stupid. and and the Becky Lynch thing with him has been terrible too. That there's no yeah, I, I, I hate that. I was tr- hate it. I was. Tr- it's I was trying to think of like like wrestler combination couples and like there's only like two that have been good. I hate Lita them. Lita and Edge and Macho and, and Elizabeth. Yeah. And like everything else, like if they try to do that with the women thing, someone always looks like a tool with I like a man it. and a girl. It just it looks stupid. I don't know. This they, they have had zero chemistry. It's been yeah, I think it's hurting both. I think it's hurting yeah. both, especially Becky Lynch. But anyway, what about Monday Night Raw then? Your thoughts on Seth Rollins winning that ten man battle world to get the rematch at SummerSlam. So now we're going to get the rematch, Seth against Brock, which, by the way, was the one of not it wasn't a main event. It actually Boring. opened WrestleMania. Shitty. But what, you don't like that either. You know what? I, no, I can't believe I I'm saying it. this. Let me let me tell you this. If we would have talked about this six months or a year ago, we you, you would have wanted to shoot me for saying this. But I think that this would have actually been the perfect time to have Roman Reigns win that battle royal and be the man to go after him. Because for the first time in years, years, because of his illness, of course, he's popular. The fans aren't hated on him right now. This yeah. would have been the time. Strike while the iron is hot. Have him win. It's something new. It's something different. It could complete his comeback. I actually, for the whole Monday night, when they had the battle where I'm like, all right, Roman's definitely winning this. I thought that was going to be the strategy because fans, they could hate on him right now. They will eventually. But right now, he's got their support. Why not pull that trigger now? But instead, they got Seth going after him again. I, I just don't get it. Yeah, I don't know. I It's just... I get it, but I like, to me, SummerSlam. Look, SummerSlam and like Mania. Those are the two. Like, this is like the, the, the WrestleMania of the summer. Basically, I think you have to have a main event that's different wh- that hasn't been done in a while. It said it's a WrestleMania rematch, and your idea with Roman, yeah, like okay, yeah, he's over now. He's not getting booed out of the arena as much as he did before. But it's like I got to see Brock and Roman for the five thousandth time. Like, I would have liked to have seen someone different. I would have done, you know, it's too late now, but like, I don't know. I thought Bobby Lashley would have been good. Like a Lashley versus Lesnar program would have been fun. Like here are two MMA guys 
Like, but like they've they've completely destroyed Bobby. I mean, to the point to where I don't even know what his character is. Like, is he a good guy, a bad guy? Like, he they've kind of done a lot of false starts with him. But right now, the company is just bad when it comes to faces. You know, when it comes to that, like. I don't even know like who they you know their faces right now aren't well, very good. Kevin Owens. What about Kevin Owens? By the way, he's kind of they're kind of getting that program with him and Shane McMahon. They're trying to kind of emulate Vince and yeah. Stone Cold from back in the day. Right down, Kevin Owens is even using Stone Cold Stunner again. So yeah, what do you think it's, about that right now? Here's the thing about that. I love Kevin Owens. I like his what he's saying, but it's like, dude, they had a feud. What was it? It was last year. They had a feud for seven months, Owens and 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 McMahon. I don't know if you remember it, but it did happen where it was drawn yep. out to where yeah, they were in a hell in the cell match. Yep. They were the special. They 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 fought at the, the the mania crescendo before Brian came back was supposed to be a three way match between Zayn, Owens, and Shane. Like they were supposed to be, and, and instead of end up being a tag team with Brian coming in, but they had like a long ass program. I just I just don't care about. Like if they were gonna do something with Shane. I would rather them had like a younger guy that we haven't really seen yet, like have a feud with him like that. But I'm sick of Shane. Shane is horrible. I don't, they, they, that guy is going to die one day in the ring. I mean, he turns purple when he's walking down the ring, like he's dying of sweat. (laughs) Those jerk. Yeah. Like he's 48. He can't wrestle. Like he's just a glorified stunt double. And I'm, and everyone's sick of seeing him on TV. He has go away heat as well. They killed the Miz with him. Like Shane kicked his ass multiple times like what the hell's going on like yeah he I don't got know. buried he, yeah it's stupid last question here all right my man maniac from Trainwreck sports tweeted this at me he wants you to wanted me to ask you do you think there's one storyline that can get wwe back on track right now what would you do what if you're paul Heyman on raw or bischoff on smackdown they're allegedly about to start running these two uh shows right now if you could be one of them and you could come up with one storyline that you would do that you think is really going to put WWE back on track. What would you do? NXT invasion. I would do an NXT invasion storyline. I would do something where they take the the first hour of Raw and make it into NXT, and that's like and just have it kind of and then build it into like an invasion. I think NXT. I know you don't watch NXT, but NXT is hot. They have great wrestlers down there. It's fresh. And this is, of course, if Vince McMahon has no say. I mean, the whole thing with Heyman and and Bischoff now taking over, uh, it's not going to change really much because Vince McMahon's crazy. Like it's 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 like with Ralph Wilson. Ralph Wilson owned the Bills. Like yeah, they can move, they can rearrange the deck, and like oh, Buddy Nix is here. Oh, like uh, you know, Russ Brand is now in charge. It's never going to change because the same guy at the top of the freaking the top of the pyramids is going to be saying yay or nay, and the guy is insane, and that's how Vince is. But I would do. I would do definitely an NXT invasion. I would take the first hour of Raw and make it into an NXT show. I would also get, fuck this wild card shit and make and make one world champion for each brand with the IC, the US, and the tag, and then the women's, all that stuff, and have the champion go to both brands. And that's it. And if they lose to and the, the whoever whoever has the belt can go to both brands. Make it easy as that. Like these are your stars. They're gonna go to both freaking brands. Do it that way. Like that's how I would do it. I hate this whole like wild card shit. I don't even know who's on which brand anymore or what the rules are. It doesn't make any sense. I would just kind of re reshuffle that. I have two. Part. I got two. Um, admittedly, I think yours are gonna be much more creative than mine. My first one on the men's side. And I don't want to be a hypocrite here because I was all about Team Kofi. I thought there was an awesome build up to WrestleMania and him winning 
to me was my favorite moment of the show. But the one one thing I would do on the men's side, I'd have Daniel Bryan win the belt back. I think he was a great heel champion. The whole planet thing, he just was a great heel, a great wrestler. He's a credible wrestler with AEW, you know, coming on. He's that guy. He's your champion. He's he's a real he's a great wrestler. I like him a lot. I would put the belt back on him and have good guys chasing him. I really like that angle a lot. On the women's side, I don't know who. Okay, I'm prefacing this. I don't know what to do. They got to do something to make Becky Lynch interesting again because she's losing that interest quick. She can only wrestle Charlotte Flair so many times. Ronda's gone and Sasha Bailey, who the hell knows what's going on? I mean, Sasha Banks, who knows what's going on with her? There's no woman out there right now in WWE. It ain't Natty who she's wrestling at SummerSlam. Who out there right now makes you care about Becky Lynch? Shayna Baszler in NXT. She's awesome. She's she could have a storyline where she's friends with Ronda and she's coming to right, get her perfect. revenge. Perfect. That's, and Shayna, you gotta watch NXT, man. I don't know why you don't. Watch I do NXT. on occasion. I only watch you the gotta big watch shows, it. I don't watch it regularly, but that's that's perfect. That's exactly what I'm talking about. Have her come in, attack Becky Lynch after SummerSlam, and I'm suddenly going to start caring about Becky Lynch and the women's division a lot more. Oh, right and by the way, I know you like them, but fuck you for liking them. I'm, I'm sick of that iconics. Get them off my TV. Oh, I fine. hate them. As, I hate them as champions. They've destroyed those titles. Destroyed them. They destroyed the titles, which made Sasha Banks have Please. like a relapse or or the going to like <laughs> you know go into hiding because she was so traumatized. And weird shit over too. Yeah. These idiots. They <laughs> suck. They cannot wrestle. They're, They're not good. I love them. They're, no. Dude, fuck it's them. Get iconic. them off my TV. Get them off my TV. I'm they doing need the to, iconic. To make those I'm t- doing the pose right it. now. I wish you could no, see it. No, no. They, they're, they're great on the mic, but in the ring, they suck, and they've destroyed those belts. Like, And that's it's just typical Vince McMahon. Like, God damn it, we're going to have a comedy act. I love the iconics. Let's have them in a comedy <laughs> act them. with the belts. I love they them. Kept them on, they should have kept them on Sasha and Bailey for a while, and then they could have built that up. I guess I guess Vince wanted to do Iconics versus the Bellas, which would have been horrible because all four girls would have killed each other somehow in the ring. But <laughs> Vince sucks. All right. No. all right. All right. All right. I disagree with you, though. I love the Iconics. Let's put a wrap on this. I, I would say hit me with your finisher, but you've pretty, much been, cool. you've pretty much been hitting finishers for almost an hour and a half now. But what the I'll- hell? What's one more? What do you got? I'm fucking sick of golf, okay? I'm sick of hearing what? about golf. Well, I'm hold on. Before you get into this, before you get into this, I'm glad you said that. You just segued this. I'm, I watched the British Open. Obviously, you didn't. Tiger, Phil, and Rory shot 20 over combined today, first round on Thursday. Anyway, go ahead. My bad. I don't know what that fucking means because I don't like golf in general, but here's the bottom line. I don't know what it is, but like every single sports writer in my Twitter feed has to stop tweeting about golf. Like them golfing. I have seen... 15 or 20 different photos of Sal Capaccio, <laughs> Brian Cozio, Matthew Beauvais, Mate. everyone golfing. Like, I, I, when did this become the new thing to do with the freaking media? It used to be like, oh, hey, I'm at this bar drinking this beer. Like, you know, you get a photo of that or you get the, the, the Bruce Springsteen box set or something like that. Like they're, <laughs> they're, they're hot takes on that. No, now it's like golf every day. I got to see people golfing and I'm sick of it. I hate golf. I never liked it. I played it once. I was terrible at it, but, and I don't really care about how you look in your golf game. I don't care about your golf game in general. I don't care about your foursome unless you were doing it with two other girls. That was dirty, but I don't care. Like your, your golf, your golf game stinks. No one cares about it except you. It's, it's like no different than if you complain, if you talk about fantasy, fantasy sports and your fantasy f- sports football team or whatever. No one cares about your team and they don't care about you when it comes to golf.
All right, that is going to do it for this episode. Big thank you again to my man Joe. Buffalo wins on Twitter. The running with Joe, the two-month sabbatical has come to an end. Never, ever a dull moment with my man Joe. Thanks a lot. Thanks as well to my sponsors for today's episode. Identity Inc., Paul Cellular, Matt Cundo voiceovers. Guys, girls, you have not yet done so already. Please go ahead and subscribe to this podcast literally right now. Do it right now. When you subscribe, new episodes automatically are going to get sent directly to your phone, your computer, your iPad, your iPod, your i, whatever I think that you're using to listen to podcasts these days. And it's going to happen within literally seconds of being released. Seconds. That is always the benefit of being a subscriber. You're going to get the new episodes before anyone else does. We usually have a new show every Tuesday and every Friday. Also, don't forget to rate and review the show. I say it all the time every week because it really helps us grow this podcast tremendously. And it only takes like 20, 30 seconds to do. Speaking of 20 or 30 seconds, also, if you could, be so kind, man. Go on YouTube, type in Analytics Podcast, and hit the subscribe button there. Click that little bell right next to it. We got highlight clips from current and past episodes there. Going to have some more new original audio content that's not on this podcast coming up in the coming days, weeks, months, stuff like that. One last thing here, and then I'm done begging you. Go on Twitter, follow me there, at Pamoran Tweets. I am constantly having podcast news, upcoming guests, polls, takes on sports, takes on chicken wings, TV shows, all kinds of stuff there. I love interacting on Twitter, so go ahead, follow me there, at Pamoran Tweets. Thanks again for listening. Really, truly do appreciate each and every single person who listens to this podcast. I know it's kind of a big deal to take an hour, an hour and 20 minutes per week, twice a week to listen to the show. So I really do. I appreciate all of you. I'll be back with a new episode next Tuesday. Then I'll have another one next Friday. And then after that, I'll be doing five or six shows from a hometown because I will be off to Buffalo. I'll catch you on the flippity flip. Bye.